1: Good evening. Welcome into the latest edition of Meet, Meet, Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Strafton, C70 at the bat, at C70 on Twitter. Alan's still out. Looks like he'll be back uh, the second show of June. Uh, But until then, we're filling in with quality guests, and that includes our friend Ben Godar, who's joining us tonight. You know Ben from uh, Cardinals Off Day and and Ben Godar on Twitter. Ben, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing really well.
0: Uh, Had a Cardinals win tonight. Got to see a top prospect in the organization debut. Can't ask for a whole lot more than that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, and that's a heck of a birthday for you, isn't it? I mean, you know, <laughs> they is, gave you is. Nolan Gorman for your birthday. The Cardinals really like you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Actually, and I saw somebody posted today. It's the anniversary of the Matt Adams for Juan Yepes trade as well. So, a lot of exciting moves on my birthday. I guess
1: it's <laughs> it's a it's a good day in Cardinal history for sure. Um, and I want to, We're going to talk a lot about Nolan Gorman, his call up tonight, the the um, call up for tomorrow of Matthew Libator. But we're going to start on the other end of the week because this I really find this this week a little bit fascinating. Is last Saturday the Cardinals are playing the Giants and we have that, you know, the play with Yadier Molina reading the Giants mail and throwing out a base runner (laughs) Sunday, you have Wainwright and Molina, you know, setting their record of most, the winningest battery, Uh, Wainwright doing what he does, Molina, you know, home run, you know, it's a 15 to two game and we get Albert Pujols pitching. It was old guy weekend last weekend. And then Mm -hmm. to have this weekend, with two of the three top prospects coming up. And there was a brief chance that we would have had even another one with uh, Andrew Kisner. If Andrew Kisner's concussion had not cleared up, we might have seen it on Herrera this weekend too. It you In a couple of years, do we look back at this and say, that's where this era shifted? This is the passing of the torch?
0: Yeah, I think there's a good chance. and And if not this week specifically, You know, I think if this season goes the way that I think the front office uh, hopes and expects it to, and many of us hope and expect it to, I mean, we, we know this is going to be the final season for Yachty and Pujols, uh, maybe the final season for Wainwright. And, uh, you know, we've seen, we're we're seeing some pretty significant young players debut this year. And obviously with young players, you know, what we expect they're going to be. Uh, when they come up, you know, they, they don't always fulfill that. But, um, you know, to have Gorman, to have um, Yepez already up there, Donovan, um, to have Libertor coming up there, um, those are pieces that they really expect to be significant pieces for a while, you know, quite a while. So I think there's a you know really good chance that this is a, a real passing of the torch moment.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see the Cardinals make a move, well, Make not just a move, because, I mean, bringing up Foreman is in and of itself pretty out of character. But to do that and Librator this early in the season, I mean, we're six weeks in, but still pretty early for the Cardinals. Um, is that a little bit of desperation or is that a bit of a change in mindset that they don't have to wait as long on these guys?
0: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question. And I, t- to be honest, I think it might have more to do with the the manager than it even does with the front office mm. because um you know um Mike Schilt I think was more open-minded and creative certainly than Mike Matheny but you know I mean <laughs> it's not saying low bar yeah um you know but but even so I think one limitation that we definitely saw from Mike Schilt was he liked to have guys in roles right and mm-hmm. you know you know he kind of liked to you know guys to find a spot and then slot him into that spot. So that was how, uh, you know, you had a guy like Tommy Edmond come up, um, you know, kind of not a not an Uber prospect, you know, a guy who I think myself and I think many people thought, well, this is more of a utility type guy, but, you know, made a splash early and, you know, just got cemented in um, to uh, second base and, you know, and lead off uh, relatively early in his career. And, and you know, I kind of stayed there. I um, mean anyway, that's just one example, but there was definitely this preference for having guys in roles. Mm-hmm. And I know one thing that uh, Ben and I have talked about on Cardinals off day is wanting to see the Cardinals move to something more like what the Dodgers have done for years. And you just you think about these these Dodgers teams, which are totally stacked, but they're just also um, really just so much flexibility in terms of who's playing, and you know a lot of guys playing multiple positions. You know, I mean. What position is Max Muncy going to play? What position is Chris Taylor going to play? What position was Puke Hernandez going to play uh, when he was there? Um, you know, uh, all of these, uh, you know, all of these different guys uh, moving around, playing different positions, um, just a lot of flexibility. And I think you're you're seeing the Cardinals starting to look that way just in the last week or two. Um, you know, with Yipes Ye- and Donovan up there, and now adding Gorman into the mix too, um, they certainly have the raw ingredients to do that. And I I hope that's what we're going to see. And and, and so just to kind of get back to your original question there, Daniel, to me, that might almost be why maybe they are bringing a Gorman up a little earlier than expected because, um, you know, uh, Ali Marmol knows how to use a guy like that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think that's very fair. I think we've seen, I mean, we've already seen, more lineups this year than we have probably in the last five, four or five, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because he is playing, you know, depends on who's hitting left, who's hitting right, you know. Um, people not necessarily locked into a certain spot depending on the day. Um, and we've seen him, we definitely have seen him be open to playing young guys too. I don't know if Juan Yepes had come up at a different spot, if he would have still not kind a day off yet. Right. I think he's played in every game since he's come up and I don't know that any manager of the last little bit, you know, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe LaRussa would have, but I don't, you know, I don't know that even Larussa would have played him every day as he was getting used to the the league. Uh, Marmol's a, a different, a different cat, if you will. And uh, I, I do, I think there's a good point that they probably trust him a little bit more with being able to use these guys correctly than they have in the past. Well, and it, you
0: know, it's interesting to me too. And it, we have such a small number of, you know, games to really judge Marmol on. But it's in the last couple of weeks, it's really shifted from what it was even at the beginning of the season. You know, I mean, I mean, you think back to, I mean, how many games did Lars Newbar get into when he was up with the team? I don't think he got into his first game for at least a week and a half yeah, or so. Yeah. And you know, it was, you know, it was O'Neill, Bader. Uh, uh, Carlson, you know, across the outfield, you know, every game, you know, forever. I mean, there was really, um, it was pretty rigid for the first, uh, you know, three weeks or so, if not, you know, most of April. And so, I mean, honestly, that was I, that was one thing I looked at and I was kind of like, oh, geez, you know, this is, uh, you know, uh, looking a little more like more of the same, but it, it has really changed gears in the last few weeks. Uh, and I, I think for the better.
1: And and part of that is by necessity, of course, you know, Tyler O'Neill, between him struggling and now with the shoulder issue being out, you know, has forced a little bit more um, creativity in the outfield. But um, even so, I think you're right. I think that he has been more flexible. We, you know, they have not necessarily been wedded to using Corey Dickerson, even though they signed him to a, you know, a decent contract, not a real big one, but compared to some of these guys uh, and maybe we've seen Pujols a little bit more than we thought we would, but it's not still not been just overwhelming yet. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, first impressions are, you know, always subject to change, but right now, you know, he's at least in, in step with the front office and, and that probably they get rewarded with, you know, better players, if you will. Yeah, and,
0: and I think, uh, you know, you kind of harken back to La Russa, and I think back to La Russa as well. You know, La Russa, I th- did this at a time when I think really nobody else did it. I mean, you know, Aaron Miles was going to start a game every single week, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he, he got his bench players into games. And, you know, he always, he, one of the reasons I know he always said he did it was that he was going to need them at a certain point. Right. And he's to need him to pinch hit or he's going to need him to step in for somebody who was injured and he wanted to make sure they were you know ready to go and contribute um and uh, you know and i don't know to, i mean to what extent that's that you, that bears out but you know now really most teams and certainly the good teams operate that way and we have you know this kind of concept of load management a little more prevalent and i think it's just generally understood that um you know even a great player you know putting them out there every single game there's a point where you know the quality of their output starts to diminish and so mm-hmm. um you know and, and that's to say nothing of platoon advantages which is something the cardinals have not really been built for as a team of late but you know now with uh and, and frankly they haven't been built of that because uh they were you know exclusively right-handed hitters and then you know two switch hitters who are actually terrible hitting from the left side. So, um, you know, they just, they really haven't had much they could do platoon wise. And, uh, you know, even just uh, Donovan and Gorman really, um, you know, changes the calculus there.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is true. Um, Yeah, it feels like, I think Tony used to have like 150 lineups in 162 game season. Oh, absolutely, Um, yeah,
0: he would regularly.
1: Yeah, but it also felt like – and I don't – I think I went back and looked and it wasn't quite as strong as I remembered it being. It always felt like his teams were stronger in August and September. And I always felt that was partly because, you know, the the big bats had had a chance to rest during the early part and mm-hmm. the other guys had been able to play enough that they weren't rusty or anything of that nature. Um, you know, it, it was a – it worked for him. And it's amazing that, the you know, the club went away from that um, – you know, when it was obviously so successful. Yeah. Well, I mean,
0: and I I hate to keep talking about Mike Matheny, um, (laughs) but, you know, I mean, Mike Matheny really managed scared all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he would get his Mike's guys who he trusted. And once he trusted them, you know, he trusted them uh, completely. And, uh, you know, you, you just, you think about all of the, you know, Seth Maness and all the other relief pitchers that he just absolutely burnt to a crisp, you know, Kevin Segrist and, you know, and, and granted really pitchers get burnt out all the time, but I just thought Matheny seemed especially guilty of that because it seemed like once he trusted guys, he just would go to them all of the time because he was nervous about going to somebody else. And mm-hmm. you just can't, you know, you, you can't do that over and be successful over, over the long haul.
1: No. And I think we're kind of seeing, a shift in that with Marmol too. I start when you start talking about that, it made me think of how we're seeing the use of Helsley and Gaigos, especially over the last little bit. Now there's still been a little bit of that Gaigos is going to pitch the ninth, but it feels like it's starting to shift a little bit more to make sure that Helsley pitches the higher any higher leverage innings. Didn't tonight? It worked out fine. Gaigos came in and got out of the jam in the eighth, and then uh, threw a scoreless ninth. But it still feels like. That's not guaranteed as much um, with the way the Helsleys come along.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think we've seen a little of that. Um, I know. I think it was Jeff Jones I read pointed out tonight. And I had this sense, but I didn't realize it was literally true, that uh, I guess Helsley has never pitched back-to-back games this season. Mm-hmm. And he only threw 13 pitches yesterday. So it seems pretty clear that they're just not using him back-to-back. And, yeah. and I think Marmol has had a little bit of that problem that Schilt had Kind of early last season too um where uh you know three pretty strong re- uh, relievers at the back of the bullpen and then uh a lot of question marks other than that and so that that's that's tough too you know and that was yeah. a something that Schilt was criticized of and you know when he kind of said hey you know like who else do i have basically you know <laughs> i think early in the season last year there was a point where that was true right so yeah, that's always something to have to balance, I guess.
1: Yeah, it, it makes this kind of feels a little bit like last year, right? Because a number of starters aren't going deep, which means that the bullpen gets used too much, which yeah. means that even at some point in time, even the good relievers start getting burned. Um, you know, we saw a little bit of that with Cabrera tonight. And, you know, you know, there's some hit and miss in those guys. A lot more hit than miss, thankfully. But um, it does feel like if they can't get a starter to go – you know, some starters to go regularly into the sixth or seventh inning. This is going to, going to really burn out quick. uh, And they're going to have to do something serious, but. Well,
0: that could be, but I I think it, I think it might honestly be more about just finding those guys, those relievers who can come in and and be consistent in the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just, I, I think the way the game is going guy starters going as deep is not, um, you know, is is not uh, not as much a thing, you know, as it is. And and you just you think about the kind of guys that they have on their rotation. I mean, you know, do, do you want Dakota Hudson going through the order for a third time, or you know, or do you want you know Andre Payante or you know some of these other guys who um, you know maybe haven't quite stepped up? But I mean, what, what's more likely that uh, Dakota Hudson is going to be good on his third time through the order consistently or that anyone from that mix of, you know, Jake Walsh and, you know, on and on and on, right? That, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of those guys kind of start showing a little more consistency. I honestly think you might be better served uh, just trying to find some pieces that can work there in the bullpen. And and I think you're going to probably keep switching them in and out throughout the year. Um, I just think that's kind of how bullpens work better now and I think that's kind of how they should work and you know so hopefully you find some of those um those pieces that can step in and do that
1: yeah that's that's fair um and we haven't gotten a chance to see like Drew Bahagen very much um you know he's a guy that could become one of those long guys because I think that's what you're gonna have to have right is a guy that can at least it's not piggyback starting but at least a guy that you know two or three of those guys that can go two or three innings so that you're not having to use, you know, so many of these guys back to back nights. Um, if you can get a guy that can go, you know, pitch the sixth and seventh, um, you know, one night that, that kind of frees up a little bit of things. And then, you know, especially when you've got Helsley and Gallegos, if you can almost alternate them on days, then, you know, then maybe you've got something, but finding that, you know, showing up that soft belly of the bullpen, maybe something that happens starting tomorrow. We're going to see Libertor start. the Cardinals have not committed to him staying up, but the fact that they have to make a 40 man and a you know another move to get him on the roster feels like he's going to be around for a little bit of time. Could he become one of those guys? could I know that we don't like to see the starters go into the bullpen, but you know, could he be a guy that at least for this year pitches like you know two or three innings on a regular basis?
0: Uh, I doubt that personally. Uh, He he certainly could be. You're absolutely right that he could be. But um, I know one thing that I've said on our on our show, I feel like the Cardinals prospects fall into two categories, Fabergé eggs and non Fabergé eggs. And the Fabergé egg guys, they're very careful about how they bring them up. And when they bring them up, it's into a very specific, defined role. And we just tonight saw Nolan Gorman, who's absolutely a Fabergé egg, come in in that situation. And so when he finally got called up, you know, we were told this is our this is our starting second baseman now. You know, this this guy's here to play second base right. regularly. Right. You know, and that's very different than you think about what they do with, you know, uh, Donovan, Yepez, uh, Newt Barr. uh, You know, those are non-Fabergé guys, which doesn't mean that the club doesn't think highly of them and that they couldn't, you know, potentially carve out uh, a long career but you know they come up with not a clearly defined role and they're going to kind of plug them in and find them at bats where they can and it's sort of up to them to uh, you know show that they and, and earn their way to a little bit more um these Fabergé egg prospects they're really gonna th- generally they're going to be slotted in and they're going to get a, a nice clean long run of 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 games and exposure um mm-hmm. you know uh to start with so, uh, to me, Libertor is is in that same – is in that boat 100%. So, um, I kind of expect them to find a way to keep him up. Now, it's a different with a pitcher, and it, it is it is definitely possible that this could be – well, we bring him up to make one start so he gets a taste of it, But you know, but then he goes back down. But I just wouldn't be surprised if they find a spot for him. And I think even more so, I don't think he's going to go into relief. I think – if he, if he doesn't, you know, if, if they uh, don't want to keep him up here starting, they're going to send him back and have him starting on Memf- at Memphis.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Now, I will say that I guess the last time we saw a dual prospect um, promotion would have been Reyes and Weaver. And Reyes is one of those guys who went to the bullpen but there's a lot of things that have happened in the last six years. So I'm not going to say that they're going to stick to the same philosophy at all. Um, if, if he stays up and if he stays in the rotation, how do, how do they adjust that? Do you think is that a Hicks sliding back to the bullpen?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't know on that one, to be honest. Um, I, I, I know that, um, I think a lot of people think that Hicks is the most likely, but, Mm -hmm. um, I'm just not sure that he is. Um, one, I think, I think Jordan Hicks um, potential is, is still kind of significant. Um, and, and also, you know, they, one of the reasons they wanted to move him there was they felt that the being on the regular schedule and everything was just going to help him out from a health standpoint. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I mean, I don't know, it's a short period of time, but I mean, he's been healthy. So if they're happy with that, I don't know that they're going to do that. Um, You know, I guess, so I wonder about Hudson possibly, you know, Um, maybe they look at something different with Hudson. Uh, I'm, Mm. I'm not a big, I'm not a Dakota Hudson believer. I'm not Um, either. And, and so, you know, uh, I just, um, so, so to me, I, I might consider something like that. Um, You know, and maybe they'll even look at um, some sort of a modified kind of six man rotation, you know, for a period of time here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer. I haven't thought through it because it, it, you're right. There's not an obvious move there. So I think all these things we've talked about are on the table. Um, but I, I do really think they're gonna want Libertor starting. And if he's not starting here, I think he's gonna go back down to Memphis and start.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably true. Um because they're gonna they're gonna need starters, most likely here and there, even with the eventual return of Jack Flaherty, although that's still what a month or so away, at least, probably. Yeah. Um,
0: well, and it's worth noting too that anytime you think ahead and think, "Oh, geez, what are we going to do with all these pictures <laughs> that we have?" It never pans out because yeah. just you know the universe intervenes and somebody yeah. gets injured, and yeah, so
1: baseball finds a way. Baseball um, finds a way. You know. Um, so you're right. You know, f- trying to think think about it is is a, a lot of fun of speculating, but it always. Uh, seems to be a little bit more pragmatic and and something a little easier to to figure out. Um, Yeah. This week I I put out on Twitter that I felt like watching Dakota Hudson was the most painful thing to any of the starters that we, we watched. I was was really surprised how many people came along and said Hicks or, or Mats, which I think are for different reasons, maybe legitimate, but you know, at least with Hicks, he's, throwing hard and usually he's around the zone. Dakota Hudson I think takes like 3 hours per inning.
0: Yeah. Well he does and he just I mean D- Dakota Hudson just can't hit his spots at all. Mm-hmm. Um you know he he just he has terrible command. And uh, you know Hicks I mean first of all I just don't understand anybody that doesn't like watching Jordan Hicks because the his I mean his two seam fastball of course but his slider as well. I mean they are like otherworldly pitches. And, you know, just with insane break on him. And, and and that's, to me, that always seems like where, you know, because Hicks certainly has some command um, challenges as well. You know, he's not, not strong in that department right. as well. But, you know, with Hicks, I watch him and I'm like, well, my gosh, each of these pitches moves an insane amount in opposite directions. So, like, I kind of get it, you know, <laughs> that, like, it's sometimes hard to dial those in. And I don't know. Yeah, Hudson, it's just, I mean, it just seems like, you know, he's, he can never put it where Yachty wants it and he's, you know, like you're just, you're hoping for the best. And sometimes he's missing in good ways and he muddles through, but yeah, it's not an enjoyable watch and I'm just, I'm just not really a fan either.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the best you can hope for in a Dakota Hudson start is like four double plays, which means that there's runners on all the time. Um, And and yeah, he doesn't have the strikeout stuff to get out of, champs and so yeah I don't know yeah i've I've never been as high on him as some are, but I also feel like the organization is for some reason very high on him. They seem to have been pretty committed to him throughout this whole process and I don't know if they would shift him out of the rotation I even if they should I, I don't I don't know I mean maybe I'm wrong and maybe they're not as 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 enamored as I think they are, but it feels like you know, a, one of those guys that, that the organization values higher than maybe some of us do.
0: I agree. It certainly has felt that way. And I think, um, I mean, I think they're in love with the the ground ball rate and, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he, he generates a ridiculous ground ball rate. So that's, you know, that's a hundred percent true, but, um, you know, there comes a point where that, you know, that's not enough on its own. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, so yeah, it's there. And, and I think, you know, um, Hudson's got a little bit better, you know, ERA and I think just might kind of seem like he's better, but I just was, you know, looking it up and, uh, you know, he, and uh, Hicks actually has a better, uh, FIP, um, yeah. than he does fielding independent pitching, not by a ton, but, you know, um, I mean, it's, when you look at the, um, oh, actually it is a little more than I thought it was. It's like 4.4 well, 4. Like- 4 versus 4.8. You know, I mean, uh, Hicks is just, uh, um, I think if you look at the underlying stuff, Hicks is a better pitcher. And
1: so, yeah, well, I would say on, on FIP, I mean, Dakota Hudson, I'm surprised he has anything that's fit because, you know, it's, it's all fielding dependent, yeah. um, you know, so he's not, you know, if he didn't have fielders, it would be very bad. Um, well, but that's,
0: but that's where he can get those big swings, you know, because he's, yeah, yeah exactly. He needs those fielders, but he's not doing anything to, um, you know, to lock that in. So he's, he's going to be susceptible to some pretty, you know, pretty big swings.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, now that we've run down the rotation um, and uh, at least Adam Wainwright is still pitching well, at least Miles Michaelis is still pitching well. Um, But yeah, I mean, that's the the central's weak enough that you can have two reliable pitchers and a, a few question marks. I guess, because yeah. they're hanging in there with Milwaukee. But I don't know how long that lasts. I mean, either somebody's got to step up or they've got to do something, right?
0: Well, I don't know. I, I'm, um, I'm still pretty high on Matts, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And um, Mats has had he's, – he's just had kind of a weird start to his Cardinals career um, because he's, he's just had a few like really bad innings, like real kind of like blow up innings that have kind of distorted his numbers, uh, you know, a bit. Now, granted, if you keep having bad innings over the course of a season, (laughs) you're a bad pitcher. (laughs) So, um, you know, I mean, I I am kind of maybe choosing to look at it through a certain lens, but um, you know, but to me his, just his underlying stuff, the eye test, um, you know, of these guys that they've kind of brought in and leaning to this, like, Pitching to contact and ground ball heavy thing, which which Matts is, you know, he gets a lot more strikeouts than these other guys do. Not not as many as Flaherty. You know, Flaherty is the only real like strikeout starting pitcher they have. But still, compared to the um, you you know some of these other guys that they they've been looking at and and the kind of you know the the J Happ and the lesser types they're bringing in last year, you know, Matts is more of a strikeout guy as well. So I just think he's got um, a stronger toolbox and. Um, I'm willing to, at this point, just say, you know what, he's had a couple kind of fluky bad innings. um, I believe in the underlying stuff. So, so I think, you know, he and and Michaelis, who's been really solid um, and, and Wainwright both. I I feel pretty good about all three of them.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, I did. Well, have I seen the stat that if, if my, if Matt's is throwing it, was it like 93 or 94 he gets smoked and if it's a higher than that he he's doing pretty well it's like there's a real fine line about whether he's going to be destroyed or not um and you know as long as you get on the side on the good side of that line and more often than not then you're doing all right
0: yeah well and so i just brought up um matt's page on fan graphs so mm-hmm. steve matt's has a 6.03 era right now which is you know you see that number you're like oh my gosh that's terrible. Okay. Well, his fielding independent pitching is four point two five, which is yeah. fine. That's not yeah. that's not yeah. great, but it's not terrible. Um, his xFIP, which is fielding independent pitching, but you take the home run rate and you regress it to um, the league average, is two point eight seven, and that really tracks for me. So that um, that flukishly high home run rate, um, which which should revert because that that is a consistent thing that's going to go back to league average. Um, that makes sense to me because when I see Matt's pitching, you know, I see now two point eight seven is pretty I don't I'm not saying he's like, you know, that good, but but I see a guy who looks more like that kind of skill set, certainly than a six point oh three ERA type guy. So right. um, you know, when I look at that, I think, yeah, you know, like this is um, you know, I, I just uh, I, I see reason to be um to be optimistic
1: there. Um on that home run rate being that it's so high now when at least, you know, at some points of time, we've seen offense be down. Is -hmm. that any concern? Because, you know, we've talked about, you know, whether the, you know, I know I asked you all the question for the off day, whether offense would improve as the, as the weather got warmer. Um, Is there a little bit of concern that, you know, even if it comes back down, it's going to, you know, that's going to kind of balance it out? No, I don't think so.
0: Because I, I think home run per fly ball is just, it, um, it, it can skew, but it, it'll tend to revert back. Honestly, this was one thing last year. Um, if at the All Star break, if you looked at um, Alex Reyes' numbers, um, mm. you know his ERA was 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 pretty good. Um, his his FIP was definitely worse, but not maybe not like panic. But his his fip was terrible. His ex-FIP suggested he had been really lucky on fly balls. And sure enough, the second half of last year, that was what really, you know, it kind of swung in the other direction. And he started giving up a lot more home runs in addition to the walks and just some of the other things that were already problems with him. So, um, I, I, I mean, I always take a look at XFIP, I think, is a really good just number to kind of take a look at. To, um, you know, if you're projecting ahead and thinking, OK, well, this is what I've seen up until now results wise. But underlying that, what can I expect going forward?
1: Okay, well, that makes sense. Um, I can go with that. Um, before we leave the pitching side of things, let's—we do get Leibrandt tomorrow. We've talked about that, but the Cardinals haven't done the moves to make him on the roster yet. You know, they called up Gorman. They've announced that Leibrandt is going to start. They still got to get him on not only the you know the regular twenty-six man roster, but also the forty man roster. There are a lot of different ways the Cardinals could do that. They could do a lot of really easy moves, a lot of simple moves, or they could let somebody go out of the major league roster. You and I were talking before the the show, as much as everybody seems to be jumping on the TJ McFarlane bandwagon, you just don't think that's the way they're going to go.
0: Well, um, I mean, they they signed him to a two-year deal, Mm -hmm. um, and it was not an expensive two-year deal. So I don't think it's off the table, and, and you know, and if he keeps pitching the way that he's pitching, he will be released this year, and that they'll eat that. Um, you know, that's just kind of sure. the way that'll go to. But um, I know that's something that they will kind of um, keep at arm's length as long as they can. So it wouldn't shock me if they did that, um, but it's not the probably the move that I most expect. So, um, but I don't, you know, I, to be honest, I haven't really thought through exactly what i expect them to do um you know they have a number of um just to kind of back into the rotation guys um you know i mean honestly i'll be honest with you like i have to bring up their roster and kind of remind myself like is Packy Naughton up right now okay no he's down <laughs> is jake w- okay yeah jake walsh is up right now nick Whit, you know like cody whitley like uh, <laughs> you know there's <laughs> enough of those kind of interchangeable guys it takes a little bit of you know reminder like okay who's up right now and then um, Etc. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of those kind of guys move down, and then for the forty man spot. And I think you suggested this before we were talking, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Kramer Robertson, um, maybe uh, you know, moved off the forty man and kind of passed through waivers. I don't think he's somebody that would probably get a get a waiver claim. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any th- any thoughts? I, I didn't really, I haven't looked ahead enough to really think. Oh, this is what I expect him to do.
1: Yeah, I don't. I really, I mean, yeah, Robertson makes a lot of sense because he's had his time. He's probably not going to get a shot again for a while now that they brought Gorman up because the middle infield is a little bit crowded, um, especially yeah. if for some reason Paul DeYoung started hitting in Memphis, which has not happened yet. Um, so I could see them dropping him off and try to sneak him through. Waivers and he probably does because I don't think he's necessarily you know this like you said he's not one of those top prospects he's one of those nice organizational pieces Um, you know they picked up T J Zuch um, a couple of you know what last year year before last Uh and he still never really ever. Been rumored about call, getting called up, even in certain spots. Even though he's been on the forty man, yeah, that's a guy that maybe depending on what they think of him, maybe they let him go. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's anything int- really interesting. And you're and you're right. You're probably it's you know probably Jake Walsh goes down. Um, I would. I think he's probably the one with options that make sense. The only other option, the other thinking would be in my mind, if they wanted to let Pellante get more innings and go into the starting rotation at Memphis. but Yeah. um, But I I think if they did – go ahead.
0: Oh, that'd be – I mean, and that'd be interesting. I mean, I would be kind of intrigued by that. But you're right. I don't think – knowing that they're kind of struggling in the bullpen and he, until just his kind of most recent outings, had been actually a pretty reliable guy out there. Yeah, Yeah, it's, it's harder to imagine them letting that go.
1: I would say that if they did that, if they sent Pellante down for the, especially for, to make me become a starter, they plan on keeping Libertor up for a little while. Um, Yes. Agreed. Then he would just kind of, they kind of flip flop spots maybe. Um, But like you said, if if they're looking to keep uh, Libertor on a starting schedule, then yeah, it's, it's probably, I think Walsh may be the only other guy that has options. When I look at this, I mean, you know, I'm, People like Hinesis Cabrera have options, but you're not going to use them. Right, um, you know, right now, it's it's just those two guys. So I guess um, one of them is probably packing the locker right now, I guess, um, and heading out. Unless they, you know, and I mean, we've seen, we've seen, it feels to me a little bit like the league's catching up with Nick Whitgren. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a one-year guy that maybe, but you're right. The Cardinals don't like to toss away, resources unless I really have to. And I don't yeah. think they really have to yet.
0: Yeah. And I'm a big believer in just in, in stockpiling low end bullpen arms. <laughs> and yeah. so, uh, you know, I was really in favor of the way they built this bullpen and going out and getting a, you know, a Wittgren and a Verhagen and, you know, just all these type of guys. Um, because I just think that's what you see that's what you see teams ultimately being successful with. And then, yeah, ideally you keep them around as long as you can, because yeah, wiggern hasn't really looked anything great right now, but, you know, you know, he could suddenly, um, you know, kind of recapture uh, something and, uh, you know, do well. I think about uh, uh, Webb, you know, and how many years mm-hmm. was Webb on the team? And it was like, he was, and I think he was passed through waivers uh, definitely at least once, maybe even twice, like four, right? Because yeah. he just... Yeah you know, like lost it. And then nobody claimed him. He went down and and sort of refound. It It was like, Oh, okay. He's back to being a serviceable lefty ground ball guy. And then he'd come up and, you know, perform in that role for, you know, maybe a couple months. And then he'd kind of lose again. (laughs) That's just kind of how these guys are. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. And you know, if you've got, when you, if you get games that we've seen some this week, right the the big blowout games one way or another, those are the kind of games you can let a, a Wittgren pitch you know an inning yeah. or two and he's not going to hurt you and then you save arms better arms for for better games. Um, it's just if you have a run of you know yeah. five to three games, is when it kind of comes back to bite you. But um, I mean, you can always use holes. I mean, I guess yeah. I mean you know he, now that he's got knocked the twenty two years of rust off, he should be ready to to bring the heat this next time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We only have a very small sample size of pool holes on the
0: mound. So I don't think we can draw any conclusions about, you know, what he could do if they, you know, gave him 60 innings uh, over the course right. of the season.
1: And I mean, you know, and, and uh, you know, as I'm sure he would tell you, if they turn that double play, he's, he's got a zero ERA and, absolutely. you know, um, is really starting on his next career. Yeah, but see that's that's why you got to get some strikeouts. Otherwise, you're just too yeah. dependent
0: on your defense. So I that's hope, true. Yeah, I hope maybe Pujols will go to drive line over the All Star break and add some velocity. <laughs> and,
1: uh... <laughs> Hopefully, so. Uh, I, mean, I would. It would be. It would be interesting to see him. Uh, the stats out there, he'd have the highest DRA in the Hall of Fame, uh, just a little bit ahead of uh, I think Josh Gibson. Um, so oh, that would be it it would be interesting to see him get another, you know, another appearance to see if he could drop it a little bit. Um, so let's talk about the offense then we've talked enough about the pitching staff. Um, we've seen them a little bit of hit or miss. Um, let's talk about the new edition first. We Gorman comes in tonight. First, he gets a hit first time up, hits a ball to the wall, um, which might've been out in the minor leagues. I don't know. Um, <laughs> With <that> little, baseball. <laughs> yeah. Um, with, and I didn't get to watch, and I know you got to watch a little bit of it, but if you if you got to see anything with him, what was your first impressions? Well, I mean,
0: I, no matter what he did tonight, I was not going to put a lot of stock in it. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? And sure. um, so, uh, but, you know, that said, I think it was really pretty, I mean, it was very, a very strong debut at the plate. So, you know, he, uh, you know, solid base hit in that first at bat. Um, He, he walked um, and he walked against a lefty who was uh, uh, basically just bombing him with sliders um, towards the outside corner. Um, He he was kind of missing. They were all a pretty good ways outside, but even so, I mean, that's a kind of classically challenging type of pitcher to, you know, Mm -hmm. for a left-handed power hitter to come in and face. Um, Yeah. And that ball, I mean, he off the bat, I thought, oh, he got that, and it just it kind of died at the warning track um, on him. So, yeah. So you know, again, it's just it's just it's one game, it's a few at bats, but uh, but you know, he looked good. And and I, and if you've seen him hit the minors, you uh, you expect that he's going to look good at some point in time. Um, defensively, I didn't see a ton. He turned a double play um, in the first or second inning early in the game. Mm-hmm. But pretty good. Um, the only other play I, I remember really thinking of there, there was one play where he moved to his left, had a kind of a short throw to, to uh, Goldschmidt and and pulled Goldschmidt off the bag, you know, made a pretty terrible kind of throw there. But again, that's two plays, right? Just can't mm-hmm. read that much into it. I mean, and Mondo Sosa is a pretty good infielder and he hit the umpire with a throw one time. So, right. <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, I'm, I mean, long-term, I'm extremely bullish on Nolan Gorman. I think he is the best hitting prospect that has come through this organization um, probably since Oscar Tavares. And so, um, you know, I I think he will be a very good major league hitter and, you know, has the potential to be like, you know, all-star, even MVP level um, major league hitter, which is very, very exciting. But I do think it's important to remember that even the guys who do that are very rarely that, like the day they enter the league, (laughs) you know, um, one of the only guys to ever be like that has rejoined the team this year. (laughs) Um, But, you know, um, uh, Mike Trout, his, the first year that he came up, he played as a 19 year old, which is insanely young, of course, you know, he had a 87 WRC plus he was uh, not great. You know, he wasn't Mike Trout yet then. Right. Um, You know, the next season he came up and, you know, started rolling out, you know, 10 war seasons and, you know, right. was was Mike Trout from then on. So, I mean, I just, I, and I always just think about that because it's like, um, okay, if Mike Trout could have a, an opening to his career like that, it, you know, um, it's pretty common. So, you know, I think I've said on our show, my expectation just because I think it's what often hap- happens with these guys is, you know, he'll come up, he'll hopefully have a little bit of success, but th- there'll probably be some, Um, things that pitchers find that they're able to exploit and just facing the caliber of pitching, uh, you know, every game, every inning that you do in the majors, you know, Mm -hmm. he'll probably struggle. And so I wouldn't be surprised. And I wouldn't be disheartened if, you know, they gave him a a month of starting at at second base and he was struggling enough that he went back down. Um, You know, that would be a completely reasonable thing and it would in no way change my overall expectation for what Nolan Gorman is ultimately going to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know that you know, Bobby Witt, we've seen Bobby Witt Jr. a couple times this year. You know, he struggled to start with. He seems to be maybe finding a yeah. bit of a groove now, but you know, he he struggled. We've, you know, there's been other guys throughout the league that, you know, yeah, there's sometimes there's the guys that just kind of get it to click immediately like, you know, vlad Jr. or whatever, but right, even even top notch guys don't always just you know spring fully formed into the into the league. Like you said, Pujols was one of those rare exceptions, and um, I think people, I think reasonable people will understand that. The question is how many reasonable people are in the fan base, um. Yeah. oh, there's, like, yeah. Pl- there's plenty of unreasonable people out there. And I see, I mean, on,
0: on Twitter constantly, I see there's certain people out there who, you know, it's like every night the team plays bad. They're like, Oh, this is ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. I am so personally aggrieved at this. Like <laughs> how could they only score two runs, you know, each of the last three games or something. And I, some of these people, I just think like, have you ever watched baseball? Like, you know, like this is, it's a very long season. Like this is what, ha- this is all completely normal, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, I think uh, we've have talked we've talked about it on the show before. I think that, that there is a definite there's um, been a definite shift into a football mentality. Um, yes, and, and that's a, that's a
0: perfect way to describe it. Yeah.
1: And and part of that's because you can watch every game. You know, when we were growing up, you you didn't have that option, and so you couldn't get quite as worked up. Plus, the whole you know being able to amplify any frustrations immediately yes. by sending out a tweet. Um, yeah. We'll do that. You know, it's, yeah. it's very easy to, to fall into that trap. Yeah, um, you no, know, it's it's a
0: it's a perfect storm for angry numbskulls.
1: <laughs> yes, and and I will say admit that I occasionally fall into that trap. So, oh, you know, and I have to, it. and
0: I mean, we all have. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, yeah, you know, you, no. you, anybody can be frustrated, but there, I, there's there's certain people in just certain parts of the fan base. I just I see it like consistently, and so it's like I know this person's yeah. watching every game. Like, don't you know, like
1: well there are some that go in looking for yeah their you know negative expectations to be reinforced right, right. um and you know some people that would not want to win if player x got the game winning hit, you know that kind of stuff yeah. so um you know it's 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 frustrating, but you know you just kind of you have to tune out as much as you can and um but it does feel like. You know, when you took the bigger picture, it feels like the offense is struggling. I know some of the stats don't seem to show that as much. So maybe, you know, maybe it's because they can score, you know, 15 runs in one game and then not score for the other couple of days. But um, overall, I mean, how are you feeling about the lineup? I'm really,
0: I feel pretty good. Um, I I felt pretty good coming into the season. And I would say I still feel pretty good about this lineup. I think it's a, I think it's a deeper lineup than they've had for a, a very long time. Uh, and, um, you know, I, re- I recognize, you know, not everybody is hitting at the way you'd like them to right now. But again, if you've watched baseball, you understand that's how it goes. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, Tyler O'Neill has not, um, you know, not, not hit well these first, you know, couple months of the season. Um, But, you know, uh, he could very easily uh, go on the DL, come back, um, you know, some things could click. And by the end of the season, he has exactly the kind of statistical line that we maybe expected he did. Uh, You know, that wouldn't surprise me at all. So, um, you know, and if he doesn't, I mean, uh, and he's, he's just really less than we expected this year. Well, it's a baseball team. You have to expect that some, some pieces aren't gonna, you know, really perform as well as you hoped. Um, you know, Paul DeYoung obviously, um, you know, has been sent down now and, you know, just wasn't really able to kind of iron out the, you know, the issues that he was having. Um, you know, so, I mean, but like, you know, those aren't like major, um, catastrophes that I'm describing there. Um, and you know, the one thing that I think, uh, it's just important for everybody to understand is how bad the offensive environment is right now in general. Right. Right. Um, you know, we, I didn't, I, you probably saw a week or two ago, some, I forget who it was, but someone, um, you know, put out the the league average batting line and it was almost exactly equal to uh, Miguel Cairo's league <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. you know, career yeah. averages. <laughs> so like, that's the thing is I think if you look at the Cardinals and you're like, gosh, this team doesn't seem like it's really hitting. It's like, well, the entire league on the average hits like Miguel Cairo. So, you know, what are you comparing him to? Um, I think the Cardinals are, you know, around like 20th or something like that. I and I haven't looked for the last week or two, but, you know, somewhere, somewhere around there in terms of um, just kind of overall like offensive production. Um, I mean, that's about what I expected, you know um this was not a team that you know i thought was going to come out there and you know be a you know team that mashed and it was like top five and run scoring that's not how they're built they're built um you know to utilize this uh, really exceptional defense and you know kind of pitch to contact and win low scoring games so uh i'm not i, I don't have big concerns i'll be honest what, what about you
1: you know <laughs> It depends on the night, <laughs> which is that football mentality. Oh, no, you know? absolutely. Not. Um, you know, it it feels like at times that yeah, it's it's a struggle, and it it's like the, one of those puzzles that if everything would just you know, you once you fit it all together, you know, then it takes off. But it's you know, it sputters when it's only got you know here and there. But yeah, I, I'm I'm looking at just the overall team stats um, for this year. And right now, the Cardinals are tied for 11th in OPS, 7 uh, 11, um, which is about 35, maybe 40 points off the league lead. But, you know, it's still in the top half. Yeah.
0: Well, and actually, um, and I'm looking at their weighted runs created plus, which is 110. Mm-hmm which is, you know, by definition, 10% above right. league average. They're um, number nine right there. And, and it's also important to remember that that's um, ballpark adjusted as well, WRC Plus yeah. is. And, again, that's another right. factor to keep in mind. Bush plays as one of the most extreme pitchers' parks in the league right now. Right, so, right. So, yeah, no, that's – that's. I mean, they're actually better than kind of even where my perception was of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, just you know, basic runs scored. They're eighth. And one run out of seventh, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean they're, they're doing, of course, again, and that's it's hard to because we see that we they've, they've scored fifteen against the Giants. They've scored, I know they've had at least another game, um, or two or three this year that you know they've scored a whole lot of their runs. You know, when everything clicks, it's great. Yeah. Um, but then you have the Knights. that doesn't, and I think some of those nights have been frustrating because, like the game against the Mets, you know they come back and they make it six to four and then all of a sudden the bullpen blows it. And so, yeah, that, a lot of that's on the bullpen, but you still get a little bit frustrated that the offense didn't maybe push its way, you know, into the tie or something before everything went, went to pot. Um, yeah. Well, and, I mean, just like every season, you know, they're built to be
0: like a 88 win team, right. you know, that's, that's the kind of team that they build. And sometimes through good luck and savvy moves during the off season, you know, they push that into the low 90s, but that's about it. Um, And, you know, if you watch a team that's, uh, you know, around there, I mean, that's not that much higher than 500, right? And so yeah. you're watching a team that is basically going to lose almost as many games as it wins. And um, so, yeah, again, just if, if your expectation is to see like dominance, I mean, no, this isn't going to be like a, 105 win Dodgers team that you're watching.
1: Mm -hmm. No, definitely not going to be one of those. Um, I do like the fact, I was just sorting this out too. They are 28th in strikeouts, offensive strikeouts. Um, And even though there's been a few games where they've struck out 10 times or more, it really does feel like this team is, I mean, now sometimes putting the ball in play is a dangerous thing because, you know, Yachty really can't run or something of that nature. But overall, if, if you're watching the game, I feel like it's a lot more interesting to watch them hit the ball in some sort of, than, than to strike out. And that's what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And I, have seen that as well. And I think that's interesting. And, and you wonder, you know, is that a kind of a conscious, you know, coaching thing um, that they're trying to do? I've also seen the statistics about, um you know just a lot of their contact statistics and barrel rates and things like that being like really really poor honestly Mm -hmm. it's just weird but but i just offense is just weird now you know and so some of that is stuff that it's like i see those things and i'm aware of them but i I don't know what conclusion to draw And, and it's also early and it's you know it could be spring weather and we hear all the rumblings about the baseball, you know, it's just, there's just, there's just a lot of weirdness kind of going in there, but with all that weirdness looking at where they're at, I, I mean, I'm to me, they're, they're probably even performing a little better than I expected the offense to perform.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, now that they've added Gorman and again, we're not saying that he's going to be rookie of the year or anything, but that's should be a lot more thump at second base than, um than what we've been seeing, um, that the middle infield entirely, I guess let's put it that way, will be will be stronger offensively than it was without I don't think there'll be just that huge drop off in defense. not I mean, I know defense is huge big deal for this team, but I don't see it becoming like just terrible all of a sudden.
0: well, i to be honest, I think that's a really interesting question going forward because they they have uh, you know, since really last year, since they kind of clicked last year. You know they really leaned very very heavily into defense and there was basically nobody on the field who was not a plus defender um, right. you know Nolan Gorman at second base Juan youpez wherever you put him um, you know uh, if you if you're playing Brendan Donovan at shortstop probably as well you know these are not most likely not plus defenders or or in some cases definitely not plus defenders mm-hmm. so um, but they, you know, look like significant offensive upgrades and particularly when you're, you know, taking advantage of the better end of a platoon split, etc. So that's something I'm going to be really interested to see going forward is, um, you know, do they maybe move away slightly from that absolute focus on elite defense at all times? Um, you know, at what point can someone like a Juan Yepez provide enough offensive value that they can say, you know what, like, we're going to kind of juggle him between the corner outfield positions and DH and, you know, maybe a first base here, whatever here or there um, to get his bat in there. And we're just going to, we're going to hope nobody hits
1: him to it, hits it to him that day. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is um, easier said than done, um, but occasionally works out pretty well. Yeah.
0: Well, and and it's, it's, it's been a thing forever that, te- you know, teams would often mm. have that kind of a guy on there. Right. right? Um, you know, and uh uh but the, the Cardinals had just pretty consciously moved away from that. So, you know, with some of these guys being options out there, maybe they're looking at, you know, moving back a little bit. But again, I think some of that can also be mitigated if you've got really pretty savvy uh management um going on. And so, you know, if you've got a starter on the mound who's gonna um, you know, like a Wainwright for example. Who's gonna, who who is gonna give up more fly balls to the outfield than some of these other pitchers are? I think you definitely want to be sure Harrison Baders in center field that night, um, yep. you know, uh, and and uh, you know maybe some of these guys you're more aggressive with some late inning um, defensive switches, um, uh, you know, if if uh, Donovan starts as your shortstop, uh, maybe in the seventh or eighth inning, Edmondo Sosa comes in. Um, as kind of a defensive closer, uh, you know, um, it'll be interesting to see how they deploy all that,
1: yeah. And I, I was just kind of thinking, you know, down the road, not this year, but the next or the next, you know, some of these guys are coming up, like Jordan Walker or Mason Wynn. I think they can, I mean, they're not, you know, shabby in the field, but they're not necessarily go glove, they're there for their bats. It's gonna be interesting, and you know, Ivan Herrera, you know, if he takes over it behind the plate you know, he's obviously not Yadier Molina, but Mm -hmm. who is, um, you know, they're going to have to somewhat change the paradigm just for getting those guys on the field. Uh, Again, you know, they're not going to necessarily be butchers. It's not like the Phillies or anything, but, you know, it's still going to be a difference, which may change the philosophy of the team a little bit. Yeah, I wonder about that as well. Um, now, Mason Wynn, I think, is a superlative defender. Yeah, okay, maybe yeah. He, he's, gonna, he's athletic he, enough too.
0: Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, no, but there's, there's other guys, um, you know, um, Moises Gomez, for example, mm-hmm. you know, the other kind of slugger. I mean, and, and, and again, I really ha- I haven't watched much of him. I don't know a ton about him. I know he's got a pretty strong arm, but he does not look like, a, you know, a, 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 an excellent defensive outfielder, you know, for example. Um, right. gosh, who's the really, the, gosh, the big, the first baseman in Memphis. I'm blanking on his name. Uh, big, big, Luke and Baker, Luke and Baker. Yeah. You know, Luke and Baker is a guy who I look at and I think, you know, does this guy, and obviously Goldie's there, there's a whole bunch of other kind of issues as well, right, but just right. even setting that aside, um, I, I am interested to see in their minor league system, you know, if, if organizationally, they really buy into this idea that you need to provide defensive value. Some of those guys that I mentioned are kind of classic, like bat first to bat only type prospects, mm-hmm. and and yeah, exactly. The Phillies have a whole team full of them. Um, you know, I wonder if we might see some of those guys traded out of the Cardinal system. You know, um, just yep. if if the philosophy is such that the, um, you know those guys, even recognizing that, yeah, these guys are going to have value um, at the plate. But we don't want to give up the value in, in defense um, in exchange for that,
1: right? And there's, and like you said, there's only so many places you can hide those guys. And if you've got four or five of them, then yeah, you almost have to move. You know, I think about Baker, as you said, there doesn't seem with with Goldie, with Yepes, with you know maybe Walker coming up, it doesn't feel like you know he feels like a piece that could easily be moved and not necessarily missed um yeah yeah but yeah at some point in time that you know even with some of those other calculuses okay this guy's good but he's not going to fit what we're trying to do so let's get something for him yeah um, be interesting um before we wrap it up tonight I uh, do want to talk about as i look at this old bobblehead that's sitting here uh, a couple of former cardinals that may have ended their career this year this week um Carlos Martinez, after being released from the Giants earlier in the year, released from the Red Sox who had picked him up and uh, he had not pitched well for their double or triple A team. And then Matt Carpenter, who had started to come around, it seemed like, for the Rangers, um, but they let him go as well. It's a little bit, I I, I don't really, I mean, Carpenter's a different story. We kind of thought maybe he was done and. But I don't know that I necessarily expected Carlos Martinez to not ever show up in the major leagues again. But right now, that looks like a pretty good option.
0: Yeah, it does, and uh, it makes me really sad, honestly. <laughs> and and uh, those are those are two of my favorite Cardinals. Um, I'll be honest. Um, and uh, there's just the, both of them kind of got to have like a weird sort of. Um, animosity towards them in like a significant portion of the fan base at points of their career that just really kind of mystified me. You know, if, if you look back at um, Cardinals pitchers from uh, you know, the, the, in the decade of the 2010s, and you just Mm -hmm. look at kind of, you know, total value that they put, you know, put out there, uh, Adam Wainwright's number one, that's not a surprise. Carlos Martinez is number two. And I think people just really, uh, people don't remember. It's like, Carlos Martinez came up very young, was a lights out bullpen piece, um, you know, in some, uh, you know, on a World Series team, um, uh, you know, among other teams, moved into the rotation, was a very good starting pitcher for several seasons, started to have some injury issues and and a very good starting pitcher and one who, you know, regularly uh, through a heavy workload, you know, had some injuries, even so kind of moved back into a bullpen role and was pretty good in the bullpen again. And, um, you know, and then kind of tried to transition back into starting and just wasn't really able to do it there. But I mean, you know, pitchers, it's like, you know, at a certain point, injuries just kind of pile up and it's just too much for him to get through. And I think that's just kind of what happened to him, which is too bad. But, um, you know, there was a, there was a really strong career there. And so I hope people don't forget that. And, you know, Carpenter, I think people understand that there was a strong career there even more so. And I think with him, it was more just that. That last extension the Cardinals did with him, which was just really, it was kind of an odd choice. You know, yeah. they weren't really, you know, he was, they did it um, early in a season, um, you know, that where he, you know, the, his contract would have been out at the end of the season.
1: Well, but and, they had an option for the next year anyway. Oh, it didn't, did, did they? I don't even they remember did. that. They did. They it. had an option for the next year, but they tossed that and gave him the guaranteed like two years plus an option after that. So. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, and he just, you know, I mean, guy, I mean, the, the ends of careers are just almost always ugly. You know, the ends yeah. of even great careers are almost always ugly. And I mean, you know, Pujols uh, is having a, a nice kind of part time swan song here and what he did with the Dodgers last year. But I mean, his last many seasons in Anaheim were not really pretty, uh, you know, just in right. terms of the amount of time he was uh, you know, you know, still playing full-time, not producing at nearly the level he needed to, et cetera. It's just, it's pretty common. That's how things go. But, um, I mean, those are two of my favorite players. You know, Matt Carpenter is a guy, and I remember seeing Matt Carpenter play uh, in AAA coming through town here. Hmm. And, you know, and I just, I, I remember very consciously looking at him and thinking, you know, man, this guy can really hit, but he just doesn't have much pop and he's playing like a corner infield, he was playing third base, um, I think pretty much exclusively at the time. And I was like, this guy doesn't have a bat to play a corner in the major leagues. It's too bad because he's definitely a talented player, but there's just no place for him. And then, you know, like <laughs> next season he comes up and they plug him in at second base. And, you know, he has that phenomenal season and just in that phenomenal career and just, and really evolved too. And of course, ultimately did add a amount of power that no one really would have expected. and. Um, you know, just a, a guy who was not like a, a, a high draft pick, you know, type guy really made himself into, uh, you know, an, an all star caliber, and like a guy who got MVP votes in a couple seasons.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, that he stepped off a cliff right after that. And, yeah. And it's, you know, unfortunate. You're right. Cause there are a lot of players that, well, and we've seen that a little bit with Paul DeYoung although it's not been it was, his has been a kind of a gradual decline from an early start but you know there are some players that just don't get that you know glide path that you were talking about with Fuhls. they just you know one day they've got it and the next day maybe not and there's only so many chances you get in this game well um, yeah i
0: mean just you know i think about the last you know the last few seasons of matt holiday's career you mm-hmm. know and he you know he he bounced, he bounced around a little bit he was kind of had a few kind of resurgent moments, right. Where he was, you know, pretty good, but well, you know, it was just obviously diminished and on his way out. Um, you know, we had the the tail end of Lance Berkman's career come through St. Louis and obviously right. he had a moment of real resurgence <laughs> in, in a world series that was very important for us and everything. And actually, you know, played pretty well as a Cardinal and everything, but, you know, again, that's another guy who had a, a you know, kind of hall of the, of the, Great, you know, not quite Hall of, you know, fame type guy. Yeah. um You know, it's just, it's just kind of how careers end. But yeah, it is always sort of sad when you see it. And those two guys, yeah, given their age and just the track record, and you know, once you're kind of getting released down there, you, you figure it's probably the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Carlos had struggled at both, um both times he had been in Triple A this year. Um, yeah. And you Carlos, know, Carlos isn't that old, so no.
0: you know, you, you know, maybe Carlos could go and still do something with himself. But pitchers, man, when they're when pitchers' bodies get worn down, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. tough to tough to see those get fixed.
1: Yeah, and and he's dealt with that. And I mean, in fairness, you know, he said it. Molina said it. There's been a lot of different people's with good intent or not saying, you know, his, his focus has not always been there. And, you know, I don't know how much he wants to, you know, he may not be the part where he really wants to play baseball either. I mean, he's made plenty of money. Um, I would think. Um, so maybe that's the time where he's, he's like, okay, I've given it a shot and I'm ongoing. I don't know. Uh, could be, yeah, maybe we'll see him bounce around and, and pick up someplace else, but um, you know, it, it, it's hard to imagine that. Um, and you know, as you were talking about, you know, how Carlos came up and, and all that, it made me think about the one other maybe piece of news that goes along maybe with these guys this week that Alex Reyes had had another setback. Um, do you think we see him pitch? If, if, do we see, do you think you see him pitch again with the Cardinals this year? And if not, does he pitch the Cardinals again?
0: Oh man. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm probably leaning more towards no at this point. Um, I, am I'm just, um, I am not a believer in Alex Reyes. Um, and I was for a long time and, and he definitely, you know, has some real special stuff in certain ways, but, um, you know, I just, um, obviously staying healthy has been a significant problem. And I think last year, even when he was healthy and, and he got off to this, you know, it seemed to be a really great early start, but in hindsight, like I said, if you look at the underlying kind of situation, there was a lot of kind of luck and timing in that, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just by the end of the year, I mean, a guy who, you know, uh, just can't, um, you know, the, the command is that poor. And then also is kind of having a propensity for giving up home runs. I mean, like, that's just not a, you know, that's not a major league player to me.
1: So, yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's I think, eligible for arbitration for the second time, maybe this this offseason. But yep. if, if he doesn't pitch, it's got, I mean, it's got to be a non-tender situation. I think um, so. You know, and, I think so. And, and especially because we know that
0: our arbitration historically has, a guy like Reyes, you know, could do a little better with, you know, saves and just the kind of, um, you know, some of of that kind of stuff, um, you know, could potentially um, earn a somewhat higher arbitration number. And I don't think the Cardinals are going to pay that because I don't think they believe he's that kind of pitcher, and I I think they're
1: right. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it's just – and it, you know, frees up a 40-man spot. And, I mean, again, it's it's gotten to the point where you don't expect Alex Reyes to pitch, Um, you know, even if he can pitch. And, like you said, that – the, the plans for this year always seemed a little bit weird anyway, even if he was going to be healthy um, because of how he had done last year and, and things of that nature. But, you know, even if he's healthy and even if he's able to get some of his, you know, I, I just don't you don't I think it's a lot of ifs and yeah. um, um, but to, to imagine where, you know, again. 2016, when Alex Reyes came up, it's just like what we're doing now with with Gorman and Liberatore. It was mm-hmm. the next big thing, and the guy that was going to yeah. be, you know, this huge deal. and And 16 was good for him, but you know, injuries, he just never was able to tap that potential. And it's a it's it's going to be probably one of those what ifs that go up there with Rick and Kill and and some of the other people of of Cardinal history of like what what could have that have been if it hadn't been injured?
0: Yeah, a, a little bit, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. But I, but I guess, to me, Reyes never, you know, certainly not, not compared to Ankiel, who 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 was right. like right, a, a phenom at the major league level for a, a, a short period of time. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Reyes, the command stuff was always there. But, you know, it, still worthy of being such a highly touted prospect. And you hope like hey you know you know they're still developing hopefully they'll develop through right. this you know but sometimes they just don't but that's just you know I mean, yeah. it's true of everybody i mean gorman obviously you know i mean gorman has some strikeout issues right and mm-hmm. so um you know i think the assumption is and based on his trend lines you think he's working that out and he's going to be fine but you know what maybe he's more you know maybe you know major league caliber pitching every inning of every game is just going to uh, exploit that. And he won't, you know, that, you know, that happens too.
1: Right. <laughs> so right. it's just, it's, you know, yeah. Uh, we never know. No, no, you don't. That's uh that's part of the deal. Um, the, the hype process fail and the guys that you never see coming become you know, Matt Carpenter.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. You know,
1: you just, you just never know. So uh, Ben, thanks for joining me. I, I knew we had to have to talk about uh, these young guys coming up. So I'm glad you were able to, fill in the seat and uh, I look forward to you. I think what Wednesday is the next Cardinal off day.
0: Yeah. Wednesday's the next Cardinal off day. So if uh, anybody out there um, is uh, interested, I definitely encourage you to check out our show. It's Cardinals off day. And we drop a new episode every time there's an off day. So you, you can find us in all your, your podcast um, platforms. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Cardinal off day. Um, and you can find us on Substack at Cardinals off day as well.
1: Yep. And, I'm sure most people listening are, are listening to y'all as well, but just in case you haven't, you definitely should be. So, oh well, thank um, you very much. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, so uh, until next week, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna have Kyle Reese join us next week. Um, so I've got a week to prepare for that. Um, it takes a bit. I mean, you know, you've had Kyle on. It takes a little bit of mental preparation to curtain the energy that is Kyle Reese. Well, we just when Kyle's on our show, we just like to let him go
0: because he has such an amazing knowledge of the guys in the system. So (laughs) I feel like (laughs) when Kyle's on, I feel like Ben and I are largely just listening along and learning with the audience, which is which is always great.
1: It is. It is always good. And it's amazing the knowledge that he has. And, um, you know, about every single person in the organization, it's uh, I, I don't know quite how he does it. Not quite sure he's human. Well, sometimes but, um, I think he's just making up names, but none of us can call him on it because we don't know, you know, <laughs> we don't know any I, You know, uh, he and Colin Gardner for a while had a, had a show. And so every week I would find a guy like Peoria's backup catcher or somebody <laughs> way down the list and send it, and then I would, you know, and they'd ask about it. And I mean, it's, you know, without, you know, without preparation, he knew who that guy was and I mean, know what he was doing. Um, you know, there's very few times that you could throw a name at, at Kyle Reese and he doesn't at least have some idea of what this guy is. It's, it's incredible. Um, and next time I think you're, I think I will do that. I think I'll just make up a name and see if he can, he'll probably tell me all about that guy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. Sounds good. I'll be listening. Uh, All right. Well, until next time, for Ben, I'm Daniel. Good night. Shooter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series
0: winner for the Cardinals.